Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This time on Vet Story. You know, getting in firefights, it's not paintball out there. Like, they're not, like, running around in the wide-ass open. What really jacked me up mentally was my medevac. It was the feeling isolated from my guys. It was being taken out of the fight. It was how dead flesh feels, you know, how soft it is and like, you know, spongy it is. Like when there's not blood pumping through those muscles, like what they feel like. I'm Phil Briggs. We'll meet a veteran who's coming up in the world of hip hop. My name is Doc Todd. I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. And his journey will take us from the dark. This is just a one night thing. I started chewing pills. I started snorting pills. Also, if I'm being honest, at the end of the six months, I was hooked on dope. Hooked on dope. To the light. Look, you're capable. You're not alone. You're not by yourself. Like, let's let's pick ourselves up by the bootstraps and get it together. So it's not every day you get to interview an aspiring hip-hop artist whose experience with guns is in a war zone in Afghanistan. My name is Doc Todd. I'm from Memphis, Tennessee, born and raised, the land of blues, barbecue, and Stax records. Now, as far as hip-hop artists go, he's unlike anything on the charts right now. When I sat down with Doc to record this podcast, uh, I was expecting the regular quick hit about his music. Where are you from? Where'd you get inspired to write this song? Who's the girl you're singing about? That kind of stuff. What I got was way more than that. There's a guy who's in a fight. A fight against the bottle, the dope, and the deal too many vets are going through right now. Suicide. So you can feel it, feel a little bit more about Doc. Let's start with his single, Not Alone. The struggle is real, found a piece and lost a soul. Eventually my drinking, it got out of control. There in darkness, I roam, struggling to find home. See, suddenly death didn't feel so alone. 22 a day, destination unknown. It could have been avoided if you picked up the phone. But now you're gone, so I guess all we get is the tone. Nothing but bone weeds, overgrown, pushing up stones. I've triumphed over enemies, co-creating enemies. Broke out facilities that tried to put an end to me. R.I.P., I'd rather grind in tranquility. Authentic Tennessee, embrace my ability. Okay, real quick, where'd you serve? Um, served as far as deployment, southern Afghanistan, Helmand Province, 2009. We were part of that initial kind of invasion before Marja, the first real big troop insertion and change of direction from Iraq to Afghanistan, as far as that, that goes, and that was in 2009. When did anything kick in? Like, you got out right after that and came back stateside, right? 
Yeah, I was medevaced actually. I had combat related illness. I had pneumonia in both lungs and Q fever and like a really wicked viral infection. I was in ICU for like seven days, really almost almost died uh, as as it relates to an illness. Wasn't shot, wasn't blown up, just got really nasty ill and, and had to be put on full blown oxygen, be intubated and ultimately medevac back to the United States. And um, you know, my end of my EAS was really quick after my deployment. So I mean I was slated to get out in December of oh nine anyway. And I was medevaced in August, like by the time I got back stateside. So really I just was waiting to get out at that point once I got kind of healthy again. Mm. When did you notice that you'd taken home some of the slideshow from oh. over there? Like when did you notice that? Like how soon after you got out did you notice that some of those images were just still playing in your mind? Yeah, well the funny the I guess uh, to answer the question first and then, you know, maybe offer some background, I would say you know, I knew I was going to have, I knew I wasn't the same immediately. I mean, really, you know, like as far as what, how it was going to impact my daily life and, and what it was going to really take to be healthy again, I didn't know that, but I knew that I was a different man immediately coming back from that medevac. Um, you know, I've actually never gone to the VA to seek any kind of treatment for PTSD. Like I've always gone to private sector, mm-hmm. you know, healthcare facilities because my wife has a great job and. I had a really bad back, so I finally, after three years of like torment in my mind about whether or not I should claim mm-hmm. my back, um, you know, I had surgery at 27 years old, like major reconstructive lower back surgery, and I was like, you know what, I'll at least like go in there and tell the truth and see what happens, you right. know, as it pertains to like a disability claim. So I went in there and just said, I'm not going to exaggerate anything, no hyperbole. I'm going to answer their questions. I'm going to show them my medical record and whatever they say is what they say. And we did it and I ultimately got 10%, you know, service connection for my back, but I never, and that's from more of the training than the combat, right? I mean, we're sure. corpsmen, so we're putting people on our back like every five seconds and full combat load. And, and I'm a way too big now, but back then I was a big guy, a big healthy guy, but I mm-hmm. was probably 205, 210, you know, six one. And I mean, you're wearing 60 pound combat load. You got a, 50 pound med bag or a 40 pound med bag and then you're tossing marines up on your back i mean it's a lot of compression on the lower spine so i finally got over myself and right went and connected to the va about my back but i always got my mental health treatment outside man you know it's been it's work for me but you know my thing is not to tell other people what to do is just to say hey whatever you think works for you you know what- and clearly you're medicating yourself in a very cool way and that's yeah. musically and we're going to get to that in just one second um I want to ask you, uh, Helmand Province. Yep, uh, Southern Afghanistan. I lost a buddy there too. I'd heard from some other guys, uh, just real quick snapshots of like some of the things that they just couldn't unsee, uh, couldn't forget. Are there any moments like that that you brought back with you that maybe were responsible for sort of you walking down a darker road? There's not like, I don't know, like the way, because you know, the only, you know, I haven't, studied flashbacks or nightmares or anything like from any scientific capacity and i would say you know based on the way that they're portrayed in the movies i don't really have them right Mm. like if that's how flashbacks and nightmares go then then i don't have them like i don't like wake up in a cold sweat and i don't feel like the need to crawl under my desk or something if something's going on but you know from a what really jacked me up mentally was my medevac. It was the feeling isolated from my guys. It was being taken out of the fight. It was feeling like there was an asterisk on my deployment because I wasn't shot or blown up. And, you know, those were the things that really bothered me a ton. But from the physical, you know, tangible, touchable piece of war, it's, it was how dead flesh feels. 
you know, how soft it is and like, you know, spongy it is. Like when there's not blood pumping through those muscles, like what they feel like, you know, and it was not necessarily like we had an A&A guy get, get shredded up pretty good. And I mean, he, you know, legs barely connected, genitalia barely connected, had a hole in his head the side of a softball. And I was, they, now they picked that body up off the street. I wasn't on patrol for that particular incident that happened. But when they got, you know, in the Muslim faith, 24 hours, you got to get that body underground. Like, it's a big deal. And despite common belief, like, we care about doing things the right way. Like, we care about doing a great job. So there was a lot of people around kind of, like, looking for someone to take charge of that scenario and try to package that body up and get it medevaced. And I kind of jumped in and was like, I'll own this. Yeah. And, um, you know, dude was shredded up bad. And um, the way he felt, you know, the way his body felt, how soft it felt, how lifeless it felt, it wasn't even so much how it looked. It was just, I, you, you know, when you touch something and it doesn't feel like you think it's supposed to feel. Right, right. You know what I mean? And and that's something as far as like the, the visual or physical or touchable pieces of war that really stick with me. We were fighting a lot of small arms. There were some IEDs, but we got in firefights regularly. Mm. Um, it's kind of helmeted as... Where we were was kind of a river valley. It's where all the opium is, all the marijuana is. It's kind of like, you know, farmland, you know, um, with egress canals and things like that. And, you know, getting in firefights, it's not paintball out there. Like, they're not, like, running around in the wide-ass open. Excuse my language, sorry. No, please, that's what we're here for, dude. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's so what we let it fly? We let it fly, bro. All right, so, yeah, like, it's not as visual as you would think if you've never been in combat. Like, you know, right. I, I can count on one hand the amount of times that I actually caught a glimpse of some of a Taliban and like really really saw him yeah and like really really saw him shooting at me like I can count it on one hand wow now I can count on hands toes elbows appendages ears the amount of times I've been shot at but the amount of times I saw who was shooting at me small wow you know so it's not as visual in that type of you know in the in the open river valley you know Mm -hmm. they compared it some of the older guys said based on their you know knowledge and more experience not that they were in vietnam but talking to people there was a lot more kind of like vietnam sure what we were going through there's a lot of small arms fire in a river valley you know from a topographical is is that pronounced correctly like (laughs) geography it's you know a unique environment there's like a lot of places to hide yeah it wasn't very very visual but like kicking indoors in iraq was probably very visual yeah. Right. You know, I'm sure that was a very visual war. So for us, it was like, you know, almost horseshoes and hand grenades. Like, you know, you don't see who's shooting at you, but all of a sudden somebody drops and you're like, damn, this is for real. You know, and it's just, you know, but for me, that that body, that body stuck with me mm. and my medevac stuck with me. Those two things were like the, the main things that I had to overcome. Well, the reason why I ask, brother, is because you've done a phenomenal job at overcoming. And <laughs> I know there must have been something because uh, in your song, Not Alone, which yeah. uh, we'll play a little bit of right here. So 
want to get to a couple lyric lines in it. And uh, I imagine before you medicated musically, yeah. you medicated some other ways. Hell yeah. Uh, the line about drinking out of control yeah. was yours? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I got kind of hooked on pain pills, too. Um, not on purpose. No, right, right. You know, and I didn't like go out and start scoring smack on the street, but, um, I was working into my, I was working into my surgery. So like they had scheduled the, I had a lumbar fusion L5 S1 and you know, I got four rod or two rods and some pedicle screws and kind of a fix my lower spine. When I finally got the MRI and I got it done at a private, I didn't go to the VA, you know, I, I got it done at a private facility in Atlanta, one of the best neurosurgeons in the country. and um. You know, he said, man, I don't really even see how you're functioning. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you needed surgery bad. And he was like, you know, somewhere in the course of that discourse, he was like, you know, we could give you some pain medicine because obviously you're living with some pretty significant pain, but you've gone this long without it. I don't see any reason to start now. Mm. And boy, was he right. So I said, you know what? I said, you're right. I said, don't worry about it. And this was in 2012. And, um, you know, I had finally started getting around to get the surgery a couple of years later, like two and a half years later. And later I was like, we can really let it fly. Yeah, man. Later I was like, that, like he's saying I can get some, get something for this pain. I'm gonna go get it. And yeah. I went, I went to my general care physician or whatever, your regular family practitioner site. Sure. And I was like, look, here's the diagnosis on my back. I'm scheduled surgery. Like I need some pain meds. And he started, and he gave me oxycodone or Percocet or whatever sure. it is. Obviously, I'm doing stuff mentally, too. So, you know, I'm like, well, you know, I can have a little fun with these things and not be hurting for, like, the next three months. Let's do that. I mean, if it helps resolve some things in your headspace, in addition to your backspace, oh, yeah. at first, it seems like a very innocent, kind of innocuous thing to do, right? I mean, it it's almost not- seems logical, right? And and I say this out loud to you, but I'm thinking, you know, more of the vets that are listening to our conversation. It's not like we're saying you went into this with the mindset to start getting high. Yeah. It sounds like it was straight helpful to deal with the physical pain as well as some of the mental side effects. Yeah. And I mean, if I'm being, you know, 100 percent honest, which like now my whole like path in life is based on transparency and authenticity. I think that's one of the things that people attach to with our mission is the fact that we're not some hyperbolic war hero story. Like I'm not out here like, yeah, yeah. yeah, Like I'm just out here saying how it was for me, you know, and and I'm not trying to be like, not, I'm not, I'm not Marcus Luttrell. I'm not Chris Kyle. Like that's not who I am. That's not my role in this. I'm not a punk either. Like we got over there and we got it done. But you know, I think one of the things that people are connecting to in our mission is that we're, we are being a hundred percent transparent and, I'm a guy who would get high. I'm just being honest with you. I'm yeah. a guy. I'm a guy who smoke, you know, smoke a joint or whatever. I don't think it's like the world's worst thing in the world. That's I'm wired that way. Like I know it's not maybe right, you know, from a from the system standpoint. But yeah, I mean, was I trying to catch a little bit of a free high on it and not be in pain and not have to deal with it? I think all those things are true. One, yeah, it was kind of rational. Yeah, I can get some sleep. Yeah, I can feel better. Yeah, um, I'm in an immense amount of back pain, but yeah, this is like what I would call a free high, right? So it's right. like, it's totally legal. I'm not doing anything wrong and I can catch a free high off this. I'm not scoring it on the street. So let's roll with it, you know? And what ended up happening is I started abusing, abusing I started I started abusing them at that point. It wasn't, there was no moderation or control. Sure. Or this is just a one night thing. I started chewing pills. I started snorting pills, snorting pills, snorting pills. 
next thing you know, we're getting into surgery and, and, you know, for people who know, you know, they cut through a lot of muscle tissue on lower back surgery, like a lot of muscle. There's a lot of fat tissue, a lot of muscle tissue. They're going pretty deep back there and they're especially in that lower back or up above that pelvic girdle. And, um, the post-op pain for a lower back surgery is pretty, pretty real. Oh, and, I, um, I can only imagine, dude. They're giving me like low dose of morphine after surgery. And here's, here's, it ain't doing Cause your threshold has already yeah, been so my, high. My opium threshold is high and I wasn't like going crazy with it, but I, I was taking more than I should. And I was taking it to do the pain, get the sleep, be healthy. But also I was looking for a recreational edge too. Sure. And, and, um, you know, by the time I was in post-op and I really needed it, like really, really needed it. My, my tolerance was way too high and they ended up having to give me like, you know, intravenous Dilaudid and all kind of stuff. So then I get out of the hospital and now I'm obviously on post-op pill meds from the hospital. So you take another, you know, six hard, six weeks to 12 weeks of post-op, you know, rehabilitation, taking pain meds again. By the end of that six month period, I'm I'm hooked on dope. Man. You know what I mean? Like by the end of that six months, I'm physically hooked on dope. Now I never went out and got it on the street or anything. When they cut off that supply, I just went through the pain and I, I took it on the chin. I took my sins right there on the chin. Ooh. And I was throwing up, vomiting, you know, all the, the diarrhea, the whole deal, right? Cause you you know, you don't have normal bowel movements when you're on opioids for a mm, long sure. period of time and sure. blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I, I didn't prolong what what happened like by going out and scoring dope and right prolonging the the enemy but, but that's how it but happens. i was hooked on dope by the end of those six months but that's that, that's, that's how it happens right, though, there. right that's exactly, that's how, exactly it happens. how it happens right there wow so i mean if i would have had there's just something in me i'm not saying that it makes me better or worse than anybody else there's something in me where i'm not gonna go out and get drugs from some guy on the street like i'm not gonna do it right and i'm not gonna hunt around looking for pills like it's not in me to do that I understand why people do that. I just, to me, that's kind of a line that I won't cross. But also, if I'm being honest, at the end of the six months, I was hooked on dope. Period. Man, you just explained so perfectly, blow by blow, the exact path that makes some veterans turn into dope addicts. Yeah, no, that's some that's some straight fact. Now, while the interview's happening, it's like a light bulb's going off in my head, and I can hear his song. And I and I can hear the exact lyric that describes the situation. And almost as if we'd rehearsed the conversation on cue, Doc Todd nails it. You know, without my Georgia girls, I'd probably be dead taking every med that the VA said. Mm. You know, like so it's just, you know, it's just saying that I have stuff to live for. Like I have people to live for and I have um, I have a responsibility, like my responsibility is as a man, father and husband, they did not cease to exist when I got out of the service, you know? And I mean, look, if you can't do it for yourself, do it for somebody else, you know, That's I mean, beautiful, if you can't man. find the heart to do it for yourself, do it for somebody you love, you know, because, you know, you have value, you are important in this world, you know, and people depend on you, you know, they look to you for strength. They look to you for provision. They look to you for protection. So, you know, if you can't do it for yourself, provide it for them. And I think my takeaway from this, before we get into where your music career is going next, my takeaway is that your music, this song, is so profound. And I was looking at some of the comments that Brothers Believe in underneath, you know, in your comment thread, and that the men and women that have fought and served that get you, yeah. that have heard this song just since your appearance on NPR recently. To some of them, you replied, um, 
chin up, chest out. Chin up, chest out. And I thought that was so cool. And it must be, it to me is the evidence that you hear for a reason and that everything we go through, whether it's combat stresses or just, you know, uh, our previous generations where they went through the Great Depression and poverty or, or, or struggles mm-hmm. that our great grandparents went through, uh, you know, in different wars and different eras. They came back, but they, they were here for a reason. And what the wise ones did is they made a legacy and they, and they turned something beautiful out of, you know, some really nasty soil. Yeah. And you've done that with this song. Tell me about um, how you got into getting this single recorded. You know, I had a, a relationship in Atlanta. Our, one of our executive producers, my brother was an executive producer on the project too. He's plays drums in a band called Voodoo Fix, which is great, great, great group. The other guy is a guy named Moog Beats who's done a lot of a lot of work with T.I. and Hustle Gang. He's got a placement with Post Malone, who's kind of famous now, and a lot of other prominent hip-hop backs. And, you know, and these were just your boys from your hometown, or how did you come no, about knowing guys these guys? in Atlanta that work in the industry. So, like, you know, I'm, you, know you, you can't be afraid to reach in your pocket a little bit and go, you know, hire some talent, you know, so I hired Mook to be the executive producer on the project. So, so you just straight reached out to these guys and were like, I got yeah. this project I'm trying to put together, trying yeah. to trying to use my experiences to make a meaningful record. And they were receptive to you? They were. They were as far as making the art. Now, like, you know, I'm not generating the kind of press on the hip hop side, like, you know, in, the, in their traditional media channels as I am on a traditional news front because, you know, there's there's probably more barriers to entry on that side just because it's such a saturated market as far as that. And, and the veteran piece is what differentiates me there. But, you know, they've been now as far as the listeners, they love they love what we've done. I mean, it's a legitimate hip hop record, humbly. I mean, it's a good hip hop album. But Mook is actually under the same management company as Binks. Binks is a former helicopter mechanic in the army. He's the guy who sings the hook on Not Alone. Okay. And, um, you know, he was like, I met him in a studio. He was in town working with this guy named Zaytoven, who's a huge producer in hip hop. Like he's really well known. And Binks was doing something for Zaytoven and working with a lot of artists in Atlanta. You know, because guys that can really sing, that can write, also they get a lot of what we would call hook work or chorus work in the mm-hmm. hip hop industry. I'm actually an artist who does a lot of my own choruses. I do half of the choruses on the album. A lot of hip hop artists can't do choruses at all. Like they don't have that in their tool bag. Right. So they, they, some of them, I wonder yeah. about what they can sing like because yeah. they got the auto tune on them. Yeah. I don't even really legitimately know what Lil Wayne even sounds like. Like you can do a rap chorus though too. It's like there's a such thing as a rap chorus. Like you don't have to sing in your records. Like it's funny. Like Jay Z, you know, had a line. You know, back when you didn't have to sing to go platinum, and it's like you can do <laughs> you can do hip hop choruses and you can do them well. A lot of guys don't. I would say like it's not the norm. So um, I did half the courses on my album, but we, you know, we hired out the other half. I mean, sure. you got to have some singing on the record. So, and it's just something that I can't do. You know, it's not something I'm gifted in. And being, well, again, you build teams though. You find teams, another guy yeah. that's got an incredible gift and good, and man. somewhat connected as well. So now bring him aboard, yeah. and now you got this team. You got this incredible single that I know is going to go some places. But share with me real quick the trajectory. What's next? So, well, I mean, I want to get on tour, opening for somebody. Um, that looks one of two ways for us, and we're targeting both options. Whichever one comes first is probably the one we'll take, to be 100% honest. Okay. Whichever comes first with a little bit of money, we're like, all right, let's go. You know, <laughs> we're either, We either want to open up for 
a meaningful hip hop act on their tour. You know, Chance the Rapper would be a great somebody to open up for. You nice. Know? Even, you know, going into more of the mid-level, like opening up for somebody like Big Crit or, you know, getting out there on a regional level and opening up for one of these established acts is what we want to do on the hip hop side because we want to get out and touch fans. Like we want to get out and touch people. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I talk about that in another song. Like we've never been more connected, but we've never been further apart. And like part of my mission is to get out in front of people and be a catalyst or a match for change. I'm not saying that I have all the answers to your recovery because I don't, but you have the answer to your recovery. You have the answer to your transition. You know where you need to go, whether that be addiction, treatment, whether that be, you know, transitional, you know, employment, whether you take pride in your life, you need to get a job so you can have wake up and have structure in your life. Like, you know, the answer to your problem. I don't. But if we can just be the match to say, like, look, you're capable. You're not alone. You're not by yourself. Like, let's let's pick ourselves up by the bootstraps and get it together. Now, the other option is a USO type tour where we get out and we touch these active duty people because we're making military music. I mean, this is mission oriented music. Mm. So, you know, that's kind of the other option that we're trying to, you know, get to the bottom of. The issue there is they're just so conservative and like the acts that they choose are just really conservative. And I get that because they're dealing with people in a war zone and they want things to be like, you know, all clean and, and things like that. But I mean, look, war is messy. Like you need some people that are actually out there that are kind of blurring the lines a little bit or maybe stepping out of bounds a touch. So Well, and you're also no. real hip-hop. You are authentic, yeah. legit music. And let's face it, uh, you know, he's a great musician also, but Lee Greenwood um, doesn't get the same kind of toe-tap uh, response yeah. uh, from the, you know, from the young brothers and sisters out there. Yeah, we're touching uh, the millennials. Do. Yeah, like, we, they love it. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, they really do. Like, it, it resonates with them. You know, and music cuts to the heart of the matter faster than anything. I mm-hmm. think it goes right to your soul. It cuts through all the good. Like, we're getting right to the message, right to their life. Like, I've had veterans tell me, like, this is my life. Like, you, everything that you put on wax here is, like, my life. And I was like, I know. Because <laughs> it was my yeah, life. Yeah, I know, man. Like, you know, and they a lot of it, they just want a voice, right? And yeah, they man. want something that they can bump out to. Like, you know, people that the people that like certain music, it's because it resonates with who they are as individuals. This is music with resonates with these this group of people individually. Right. Like, let's get it to them. I want to break down the barriers to get them this music. Like, you know, I've got to find a way to make a living. But I also know that the most important thing is just to get the album in their hands because I know it can have an impact, you know? Well, you were well on your way. Um, you're already making money from this. But eh. but it's eh. I, I know what it's like to be a startup yeah. artist because yeah, of my years in rock and roll and interviewing bands and stuff. Uh you're in your you're truly at the first semester of your freshman year boom i like it so we're, we're trying to we're, we need to make some c's and some maybe some d's and some c's. we got to get to the second semester <laughs> we got to get right? to sophomore we got to get there uh, let's dream big real quick uh you said chance the rapper would be a cool tour to get on Hell yeah. um, i'd like to see you do it all man i'd like to see you do the uso tour and i'd like to see you on a headline act tour go big do it all who would be huge who would be one of the biggest icons of I'd love to do a Veterans Day song, like a kickoff song, like to like honor Veterans Day and like have a major artist on it that's not a veteran. Like, really would love to work with Justin Timberlake. Would lo- I'm from okay. Memphis. Yeah. He's from Memphis. He's like part owner of the Grizzlies. I'm grit and grind Grizzlies all day. Right. M Town. I mean, I think he's, st- I think he owns Stax Records now. I'd love to work with Justin on a Veterans Day song and kick that program off and, and let's get some veteran art out there, man. It's time. Like it's time to have some vets to look up to and whether it be painting or sculptures or literature or music, like it's time to get some of the, now, now they can't just get on if they suck. 
They gotta, <laughs> right, you like, gotta be it, good. You gotta be good. Like you gotta come <laughs> correct, guys. Like don't be coming with some whack. <laughs> like you know, like get your game up. You know, but but if you're good, like it's time. The world needs to see this art, like because it's art inspired by 16 years of conflict. Yeah, and there have been some incredibly gifted musical veterans too. Um, yeah. I cite uh, 101st Airborne, uh, <laughs> early 1960s. They yeah. discharged one James Marshall Hendrix. Yes. And oh uh, he, he went on to rip it up, and he was a pretty fair guitarist, I think yeah, one could say. He's all right. He's overrated. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Now, I'm I don't kidding. know. I think yeah. if Jimmy were alive today, he might be in the hip-hop scene, too. because He's, uh, he's the, part of that 27, that, you know, uh, artist that died at 27. That's a, that, if yeah. you go look at that group, that's a scary group. It, it really is. It's, and to that, we've also looked at another number that's pretty damn spooky, and that's the 22. Yeah. And that's why I appreciate what you're doing because your words in this song mean a hell of a lot. And they are very, very sincere. Look, I, I think there's something going on here you don't even know about. but I don't. Less- I have no idea what I'm doing right now. Like I realized that yesterday I met with the Senate or the Veteran Affairs Senate Committee or Senate on Veteran Affairs Committee yesterday. And I was like, I don't know how they can really help me, but it's great that I'm in this room right now. Right. You know, and, and I'm just, we're out here trying to help other people. That's what we're trying to do. Like we... You know, I've been toying around with this idea of Mission 21. Like, like, why is everyone focused on 22? We need to be focused on 21, then 20, then 19. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that this number is not going to get to zero, but I also know that the amount is just is, is atrocious. Like, we've got to get a hold of this thing. And the last thing to me, this is my opinion, you know, shoot me down, but we're transparency, authenticity here. The last thing that the community needs right now is another veteran nonprofit. So like that's not that's not my lane. So like my lane is to be a catalyst, to be a match. My lane is to get people out to the right resources that already exist. My lane is to try to help their life through music, through literature, through art. Get connected to the guys we serve with again. Like just call somebody, man. Like you know, just take the next step instead of like trolling somebody on Facebook and being like, oh, I guess they're doing good. And then a week later, that guy kills himself. And you're like, well, look like he was doing good. But you never called him because you felt connected to him, but you really weren't connected to his life. Like we need to we need to use technology as a tool, not as a crutch to like substitute real connection. Like if I, I couldn't tell you, like there's a line in another song where it's like much respect for tech, but it's a tool to connect, not neglect those with the noose around their neck. And it's like um, in that department, I think we fell miserably. Should be more open eyes behind the screens. And it's like my eyes aren't open when I'm looking at that stuff. Like I'm not really connecting to guys what I start with. I'm just catching, you know, their highlight reel. Right. You know, which can be very deceiving. Yeah. And then they're just they're either they're either putting up the best stuff. Right. To make it seem like they're okay, And that's what most of us do. We want to show our best selves first. But they could actually be like purposely and in a sense maliciously masking what they're really going through. Mm. And if you literally just picked up the phone and call them, just pick up the phone. You're not alone. Just pick up the phone. Like if you literally picked up the phone and called that dude and he picked up the phone and you heard the tone of his voice, you'd be able to tell a lot about how he was doing pretty quickly. Right. And, and you know, if I can just get these guys to connect again, you know, that that'll be a start. You know what I mean? Just talk to each other again. Like, yeah. on the phone or like set reunions up for your deployment people like you know we're going to try to do a 2A reunion luckily there's some guys in there with a little bit better logistical ability to me that are trying to throw together like a deployment reunion like do that kind of stuff guys like get together man go fishing even if it's just like your squad you know or like you know your fire team it doesn't have to be the whole battalion 
But because of the situational things we've lived through, it's most important to pick up that phone and make those calls. Make the call. Now more than ever. Yeah. Amen. Pick up the phone, man. Call somebody. I love it, man. Doc Todd, Combat Medicine. Yes, sir. Available everywhere. iTunes, available. Yeah, uh, iTunes. We're, we've got it at www.therealdoctod.com. It's on everything from Tidal to Spotify to Google Play, Amazon. I mean, you, you can find it where you find your music. And Okay, cool. Um, we're at The Real Doc Todd across all social channels. And we're here, man. We're here fighting the good fight. We want to fight it with you. So let's the, roll. The single we've been hearing during this segment is Not Alone. We're going to... We're, we're going to go out with the entire thing, but before we go out, I'm going to make Justin Timberlake. If I can, I'm going to do everything I can to get somebody big to call you yeah. and Justin hopefully Timberlake, knock on your door. Yeah, hashtag JT Vet song, Doc, or something, man. <laughs> Justin, y'all know, Justin, y'all know how listening? to do this. JT Vet song with Doc, man. Like, it's time. Like, let's, let's, like, blow the door off this thing and do a song for our vets. Like, straight up. Let's do it. Dude, that's a bad white boy right there. And that's kind of the point. Bad white boys come from Memphis. Look at Elvis. Look at JT. I'm trying to I'm trying to carry a little small piece of that bag. Like maybe I'll carry their like shoe bag. But those are some bad white boys coming out of Memphis. So we're trying to do it again. Doc Todd, you a bad white boy. I appreciate it, man. The struggle is real, found a feast and lost a soul Eventually my drinking, it got out of control There in darkness, I roam, struggling to find home See, suddenly death didn't feel so alone 22 a day, destination unknown It could have been avoided if you picked up the phone But now you're gone, so I guess all we get is the tone Nothing but bone weeds, overgrown, pushing up stones I've triumphed over enemies, co-creating enemies Broke out facilities that try to put an end to me R.I.P., I'd rather grind in tranquility Authentic Tennessee, embrace my ability your arm and a gun away from your forehead it's time man you've been through enough pain stand up it's time to stand back up all my veterans man army marine corps navy air force coast guard get up you know
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.